You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. After earning a master's degree in international affairs, Laura Root was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Navy. In 2011, during her first tour, she was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. A few years later, Laura competed at the Invictus Games and then became a national air rifle shooting champion in 2015. But also, she is an avid Nordic skier and gets on the snow as much as possible to prevent a more severe onset. Let's chat with her. So, Laura, I like to typically start when I'm asking my fellow veterans, I like to start with the question, why? So why did you enlist? Why did you sign up to serve? Um, it's a funny story, actually. I had signed up for the Air Force uh, to get commissioned in 2001, and my family talked me out of it. <laughs> And I went along my merry way and did a graduate degree in Paris, France. And then I came back to the U.S. and I was just thinking, I I have to do this. Um, I could make things hopefully easier for someone else. Um, but for me, it was really about the people and the mission. And so I joined the Navy and became a Navy intelligence officer. And so um, what was the um, concerns or hesitations from your family? Um, they knew that I was rather outspoken politically <laughs> and that I wasn't going to agree with the course of action. And they thought that I would have trouble uh, taking orders, uh, which which is probably true. I mean, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but for a long time, um, I also learned how to get along with people and um, through all of that, learn to become a better leader. Mm. So, And the other interesting thing you said is, of course, is the Air Force to Navy. So what made you switch uh, branches when you when you did finally uh, in, uh, sign up? My dad and two grandfathers were in the Navy. Um, and just culturally speaking, I, I thought that the Navy was going to be the best fit um, because of the, they had a wide set of different missions in the intelligence field. So I did find that the Navy, the most dynamic branch. Um, I had not actually ruled out the Air Force at that time. It was just that the Navy responded more quickly to me. Um, but there were a lot of great jobs in intelligence in the Air Force as well. And, and so you came in, obviously, uh, commissioned as an, as an officer, correct? Yes. And, and um, had you completed your your graduate i know you completed your undergraduate had you completed your graduate degree uh before you signed up yes <laughs> awesome okay so so you went in uh with in, into the navy with a master's degree in i think international affairs right yes correct and uh so was intelligence the natural fit for you 
I thought so. Yes. Um, there was a pretty steep learning curve, um, which my, I was very fortunate to find a wonderful is staff of enlisted people. Um, because anytime you're going into, it's just like any new job where you're learning how an institution works and the people who run it. Uh, so there was a pretty steep learning curve uh, in terms of operating different softwares and how the chain of command worked. Um, but in, I was stationed in Washington, D.C. and before that in Norfolk, and I just found the best people. So I was really lucky. So I was actually in my next question. It was, was I wanted you to talk about some of your duty stations and assignments. So you were uh, in D.C. for a while and where else? Um, I was, I started off, uh, going through OCS in Newport, Rhode Island, and then I did intelligence training in Virginia, um, and then had been stationed with Comfibron 4 out of Norfolk. Um, unfortunately I was diagnosed with a neuromuscular illness and then transferred to DC. And, and so I was going to ask you about your, your diagnosis, you, um, uh, when when you were diagnosed, were there already signs or symptoms, or how did how did that diagnosis come about? I was trying really hard to ignore it, um, but I would essentially lose the use of my hands or feet. Um, I would collapse a lot uh, in <laughs> pretty embarrassing situations, um, and so finally the command at Intel training couldn't ignore it anymore. And they sent me to medical where they discovered that I had a great deal of organ damage. And then um, I met the neurologist in Norfolk who kind of picked a needle out of a haystack and realized that I had muscular dystrophy mm. in adult onset version. So as you said, since since it was an adult onset, there was no sign. You didn't have any experiences, you know, growing up uh, where that where that was visible. I was never the most graceful kid, but I was never quite that clumsy. <laughs> 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 um, and with the adult onset muscular dystrophies, it's it's all the luck of the draw. I mean, my father and my uncle never had symptoms until their late sixties. So it really wasn't on the radar for me because I'd had a healthy childhood and, you know, gone through most of my life with, without any major issues. And, uh, and so uh, for those that may not be familiar with muscular dystrophy, um, uh, how it, it does impact people a little bit differently. So how is it impacting you today? Um, there's a lot of pain associated with it. There's a lot of different um, kind of or repercussions in your organs. Um, so I definitely have a pretty severe amount of liver damage. Um, I had colon cancer in 2020, which was a side effect of the muscular dystrophy. Mm. Um, it's a lot of pain and, you know, muscular spasms, things like that. Um, I think the biggest side effect would have been the liver damage, the cancer, 
Um, I'm developing cataracts, <laughs> uh, which which is really inconvenient because I'm a national champion uh, rifle shooter. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was going to ask you about that. So, <laughs> right, right. That's true. You know, yeah. <laughs> Well, which is still, as you know, is still all adaptive. So you can you can still be able to shoot uh, with any adaptation. So that's uh, definitely. And then I seem to get rhabdomyolysis quite often and be sensitive to heat strokes. So hmm. that that happened twice last summer. I was learning to scuba dive and hoping to replant coral in the Florida Keys with a veterans group, and. It, it turned into kind of a medical emergency um, because of the muscular dystrophy. Mm -hmm. And so were you, as a, you know, growing up, were you involved in any type of sports or activities then? Definitely. Um, let's see. When I was young, I would show jump and do dressage with horses. So mm -hmm. equestrian sports. And, um, then once I got into high school, it was volleyball, tennis, um, basketball pretty consistently. Um, I had cross country skied and downhill skied maybe once, uh, in college, but I never really could access it until I became a disabled veteran. So, and why do you, why do you think that was? Why do you think it was, was it the cost or was it the um, uh, opportunities? How why why was the the issue of of accessibility when you were growing up? Oh, it was definitely the cost and mm -hmm. just you know you're centered around your university or your job, which mm -hmm. for me tended to be in the city. Um, so it was it was hard to get away for a scheme. And also I um got on a blue slope before I was ready because you know you're with a group of kids, so uh -huh. that didn't turn out very well. The, pre the peer pressure was <laughs> yeah, I think I was just nervous. So <laughs> having instructors in in all types of scheme was really, really helpful for me. And so obviously after the 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 neurodiagnosis, um, were you immediately introduced to adapt the adaptive sports world then, or was did it take a little bit of time? Um, I was slated to go into the Warrior Games program in 2012, but uh, with the, the medical board and my responsibilities in the Navy, I couldn't quite make it. The doctors were not really... Uh, willing to let me go because of what they were seeing in terms of my health. Um, so I did make it to Warrior Games by 2013 and became um, one of the two first uh, gold medals for Navy shooting at Warrior Games in the Olympic Ooh. Training Center, which is <laughs> really, really a great moment. Um, then I continued in 2014 and 2016 and also went to Invictus Games in 2014. Um, I think I didn't learn about skiing until 2019 um, with my Tampa VA where they brought us out for ski spec, learned to ski. Uh, yeah. And it was just the best. <laughs> <laughs> So we came after the pandemic, we came back um, last year 
And now this year I've been accepted into race camp for Nordic. And so you did learn to ski the first two times is in, 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 right. Or is this uh, yeah. your second time? So, so this is your first time in race camp? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we're going to see how that goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. And it's Nordic, which <laughs> it's only one of the hardest sports in the world. Yes, in it's terms of cardiovascular. A lot especially. of stamina and a lot of cardiovascular work and a lot of upper body strength and everything else, right? Definitely. A lot of I'll just say a lot of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to shooting. So how did you determine that um one that you wanted to compete essentially at shooting? Uh, and then two, how did you realize that you were actually pretty good at it? Oh, I had no idea what was going on for <laughs> at least the first year. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so the Navy, just thrown into it, huh? <laughs> yeah, the Navy um, Safe Harbor Wounded Warrior Program just kind of met me at Bethesda, and they help you transition out um, with some of the other paperwork. And they told me about adaptive sports. At the time, their uh, master chief literally showed up at my office with a bag full of uniforms, um, <laughs> and unfortunately I couldn't go that year, but the next year I was flown to Hawaii, met the team and just put on a rifle range and I'd never shot before. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any notion of what was successful or what wasn't. And in the first competition, I actually adjusted the rifle the wrong way, but I guess they liked the group. Um, so I, I made the team. <laughs> huh. That's really cool though. But obviously you are good at it. If you've been able to stay at it and then, um, what year were you a national champion? Uh, 2015, uh, for Benning. Okay. Uh, that was also the year that I completed, um, my level two coach training and then started working on my advanced training with USA shooting at the Olympic training center. Um, I think the program has somewhat dissolved, but I was able to complete most of it before that happened. So are you still, uh, we're going to talk more about obviously, uh, ski spec and, and the winter sports side, but are you still actively also shooting? Uh, no, I became a coach. Okay. Um, and then I also learned how to run the targeting system for mm. Seuss, which is, a uh, one of the providers of the electronic ranges so mm -hmm. i i ended up working with air force doing that for them uh in their warrior games pipeline okay and um and so you're uh still actively coaching then right yes okay and what um uh, i meant to ask what year was when you went to invictus where, where was it i'm trying to remember where 2014 was uh that was the first one in london okay so that was the first one i couldn't i i can't remember the exact the exact order and, and when and where they each of them were held so that's awesome that you got to got to compete and represent the united states in a different way right oh that was so incredible especially being an international relations major uh -huh. true <laughs> that, that was just one of the highlights of my life i i really enjoyed working with the international teams and just learning about how things were for their militaries. And as a, as both a participant in a, in 
a, a parachuting and as now as a coach, what is it about that particular sport that, you know, uh, you know, excites you or gets you excited about it? Um, well, being in the military, um, so many people have traumatic brain injuries or PTSD and, you know, we're, we're used to being run around and exhausted. Um, for me having a neuromuscular disease, when, when I walked into a sport and someone said, your only job is to sit still and relax. I thought, well, I can, I can do that. (laughs) 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 So it it really is a mental challenge for, it was a mental challenge for me, but also for the rest of the community. So I, I ended up really enjoying watching people kind of have their aha moment uh, in how they were uh, maybe holding themselves back, thinking negatively or, um, you know, letting their focus wander. And then all of a sudden they would have that moment where it all comes together and they're really happy with themselves. And then they take that from shooting off the range into the rest of their lives. Um, But one of one of the coaches would always say, you know, when you come into the range, you can hang up all your problems on the tree outside. And when you leave again, it's your choice if you want to pick them back up. But, hmm. you know, the answer most people would say. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I mean, that that is um, that is really what sport is all about. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And and as, as you said, you know, um shooting sports whether it's you know even archery or 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 adaptive shooting air rifle air pistol um you know is a very it's a very mental game it's a very you know strategy oriented game but it's also very relaxing and calming for everybody that i've i've talked to so uh so that's a great way to look at it definitely oh and i'd also had about 13 years of yoga and meditation under my belt so i think that really helped in shooting sports <laughs> oh okay that's a good point so uh, just being able to practice yoga or or some sort of meditation could actually be beneficial uh it's beneficial to a lot of in a lot of ways but but to a sport like like adaptive shooting i think it'd be very beneficial definitely and it, it doesn't forego saying that um you avoid kind of all of the dark moments that you go through as a veteran with a disability or multiple disabilities. Those, Mm -hmm. those challenges were still there. Um, But it's really helpful to have that place where you can just go and relax and um, focus on the moment. So as you, as you already kind of alluded to Laura, the, uh, Nordic skiing is a lot different than shooting. Yes. <laughs> so, so uh, I have to ask why, why, why are you, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> well, I, I also love being outside and uh, I, I, I mean, the diseases have progressed, but I really enjoy being outside. I'm definitely a mountain girl. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I wanted to bridge shooting with skiing. That's that's where it's at. <laughs> and it's a totally different challenge when you're skiing along and your heart rate's up and then you have to go into the range and fire your shots and apply all of those mental training skills as well. Um, so it's a, it's a different type of challenge. And uh, 
I, I definitely want to stay outside in the snow as much as possible. <laughs> well, that's good. That's true. So I was thinking just Nordic, but you're also thinking biathlon. So yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> which has the shooting component. So that makes sense for you, particularly since you have that background uh, and, and skill set, and then just to tie it in with Nordic. And, and so I imagine for you, like at race camp, particularly when you go to ski spec, probably you want to focus, you're, you're going to be focused more on the Nordic side because you probably already dialed in the, the, the shooting part of that. Oh, definitely. Um, and I'm definitely not a strong skier. So there's a lot of room for growth. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first two years, as you mentioned, that you were out of ski spectacularly, you just were kind of in the learn to ski program, kind of um, getting out on the, on the snow. And um, do you, uh, are you, um, do you use a, the, the sit ski or do you, or do you, uh, are you ambulatory and, and, and plan to focus on the standard standing and ambulatory side? Um, I focus on the ambulatory side. Um, so in Nordic, I don't really need a lot of different adaptive equipment. Um, so no sit ski. Okay. In the learn to ski clinics, I was ski with outriggers, which um, I was also awarded last year in the equipment grant for Move United. So I have my own set of skis that I'll be bringing. And when we're not uh, doing Nordic training, I'll definitely be hitting the slopes in Breckenridge. <laughs> and you, as you mentioned, you, you obviously have a connection to the Tampa VA. What what does um, someone where does someone from Florida get to ski on a regular basis? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because I always want to leave Florida, especially in the heat, because I get quite sick with it. Um, but then all winter long, when it's lovely here, I'm always somewhere else skiing. <laughs> So, so I basically leave, um, as I'm working on a, another graduate degree, hoping to go on to a PhD in environmental, um, sustainability or environmental policy. Hmm. And once that's complete, I hope to live somewhere next to snow and some mountains. So. <laughs> <laughs> and besides uh, being able to join us in Breckenridge, what other places, what other mountains do you like to ski at and visit? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I've been to the VA Winter Sports Clinic and Snowmass. That one is always a great one. I've gone to Crested Butte on my own um, at Adaptive Sports Center, another great organization. Um, mostly for Nordic, I started learning with some friends of mine in Casper, Wyoming under Olympic coach Rob Rosser. And then they introduced me to another program in Maine run by um, an Army veteran who was also on the Olympic team, Christina Sebastianski. Um, she runs a program called VAST in Pineland Farms, Maine. Um, and so I go there as much as possible to train for Nordic. 
That's that's awesome. And the last question I have for you is just uh, you mentioned um, either on the sports side or obviously just you just mentioned the, the additional degree that you're pursuing. What are your kind of like long term or, or lifetime goals? Oh, gosh. Kind of weighing the options right now. <laughs> I mean, I definitely always wanted to do a PhD and teach, especially in geography, environmental science, or um, policy. So I am trying my best to complete that. Um, but it, it's really detracting from my adaptive sport goals, which were to get more competitive in Nordic biathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely want to start skiing internationally if possible. Um, there are some places in Finland and France that I had my eye on. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Sky's the limit. Um, I think one of my dreams was always to teach a, a foreign team shooting as well or become a coach for shooting sports internationally. Um, but I hope to keep traveling and and competing, staying active. So, Well, thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. <laughs>